In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Duffin. Hello, guys. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm good. Good. Just looking forward to another week of Browns talk, um, second preseason game. It's an exciting time, and uh, if you try ring me at four o'clock in the morning, I might throttle you, but uh, it's all good. Uh, mate, it was four o'clock in the morning, so uh, stop being so sensitive about this phone call at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, we support American sports, so we should be awake at this time. Well, I got a random call from you l- last night at half one in the morning, and you didn't even remember it today. <laughs> Maybe I wanted a cuddle, I don't know, mate. So, um, okay, good, and we've got uh, another UK guest here. Uh, I'd like to welcome Chris. Chris, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Excited to actually be getting back to talking about football, talking about real games being played, not just how people look, have looked in training camps and OTAs and things like that. Okay, good, good. And uh, I noticed straight away you call it football. Yeah, I, I kind of slip into that NFL mode when I'm okay. talking about it. Okay, good, good. Jack, how do you feel about that? Oh, as I stand, it's, it's football slash NFL and it's real football. So I'm really keen, always on the podcast, I'm going to drop that R word because it's real and uh, it's not soccer. Okay, I will always <laughs> say soccer on the show just to be polite to our American fans. So Chris, <laughs> firing straight off. So tell us, why are you a Browns fan? So two things really. First of all, I'm an Aston Villa fan when it comes to soccer. Okay. Um, and some time ago, 2005, 2006, they were bought by Randy Lerner. Uh, obviously, the former Browns owner. Yeah. Uh, so there was a bit of a, a big connection there. Um, and then when I was sort of getting more into the sport, coming home drunk on a Sunday night, there would be NFL live games on uh, at one in the morning or something like this. Um, I started thinking, oh, wow, this is actually a really interesting sport. Uh, which team can I pick? So the Browns popped out and I do have some distant relatives in Ohio. Ooh. So that was sort of just sealing the deal there. Any idea whereabouts? I think they're just outside Columbus. Okay. So could have gone either way, um, but you know, maybe, Browns. Maybe they're near where I got Ruta from. Yeah, well, we, they're Browns. Well, we, we don't mention the other B word on this podcast because that's obviously <laughs> we don't want to put the uh, like eighteen plus warning on it. Okay, good. And um, what's your best ever Browns memory? So for me, that has to be going to Twickenham last year and actually getting to see the Browns live. Can I just ask? Is the positive memory the whole game, or you like me, the first half was a really positive memory, the second half not so much? So the first half was amazing because it actually felt like we were going to maybe win a game, uh, especially against a good team like that. Um, but then I was there with a friend of mine who's a Patriots fan, Oof. and we were just saying, oh, the Browns are going to browns it up, right? They're, they're just going to browns <laughs> it up. Um, and so as the second half wore on, it became a running joke of, obviously, obviously they're going to they're not going to make this first down, or obviously they're not going to get the goal line stop. So, yeah, it was the first half was fun, and then the second half was sort of uh, masochistic fun. Yeah. Matthew, uh, go on, Joe. I prefer to be positive and think it's, it's not Browns browsing it up, it's Hugh hewing it up. So uh, it's one of them things that 
we'll put the blame on Hugh and let's let's just kid ourselves for a little while that everything else is great. Yeah, um, Jack. Um, that day we weren't friends at the time, but um, who did you go and watch the game with at Twickenham? Who did I watch the game with? I was um, sat next to my mate because. My brother had come to the other games, but he's gone on aboard travelling since. He went over to the States and I, sp- I think he spent three, four months just travelling around different parts of America, going to all different NFL games. And he's in Australia at the moment. Um, but I was sat next to my mate who's a uh, fellow Chelsea season ticket holder. Good lad. And um, no, we, we had a good day. Yeah. It was good. Um, days, what a return. Yeah. And uh, is it, uh, I'm trying to remember who had the interception. Showbert. Showbert. It, it, it was a cracker. Good knowledge by Chris. Okay, good. Who is your current favourite Browns player? Hopefully, that's going to become Baker Mayfield. Yes. Um, at the moment, I'm a big Miles Garrett fan, um, and also Joel Batonio. Okay. I think he's a very good player for us, and you never know. Maybe kicking outside to tackle, he's going to be. Maybe we'll find he's a pro bowl level tackle, which would be be, be very be good. <laughs> you know that he's got uh, UK roots? Didn't. No, he's got some friends, I think, um, or some family or cousins up near the Cotswolds somewhere. Oh. It's one of them. If, you, if he does turn out to be the tackle that he could be at a high level, if you can get a tackle at guard money, that is insane cap savings that you can spend somewhere else. And uh, that will... If it does work out that way, we're talking an extra five, ten million dollars a year to spend another place on that roster. So it's a massive upside if it does work out. I don't know. Betonio's contract, uh, what was it, a year ago, kind of set the guard market, and then you know Zeitler blew that out of the water a bit. But Betonio is still at ten million a year, something like I that. I think he's six this year, and then it goes up. So um, there is some escalators in it. But it's not too bad. When you consider like Nate Solder, who's, I'd say, a slightly above average um, left tackle, has just got insane money from the Giants. And as we obviously proved recently, he's not that good. <laughs> um, so Joel Batonio's contract, you're looking at this year is six, uh, next year's seven million, uh, the year after is eight and a half, and then 20 and 21 and 2022 is 9 million each so obviously as the NFL salary cap goes up that number even though it's going up is actually falling I didn't realise it was that low yeah if we can get him if he's a tackle for us for the next five years that's that's crazy savings Um, mate has there been any cases where they get like a little one year upgrade a little thank you bonus for playing a different uh, position oh by all means you you get it with all players um, of like they move position or they become more important on the roster because you want to reward them because what you don't want, and it's slightly different with him because he's slightly older because by the time he finishes that contract, he's going to be 31. If you're looking at a younger player and you want them to take that second contract, the last thing you want to do is rub their back up against it and then as soon as it comes to renewal stage, they go, no, I'm hitting free agency. You've treated me like a, a uh, nothing for so many years. So they want to move on. But I would say even if you sort of gave them an extra $2 million each year, you're still getting a ridiculous saving. So it's, uh, it's exciting times. It's a good contract. And the other thing with that contract is if he gets injured or if he drops, and some players' performances just fall through the floor, after the 2019 season, there is no dead money on that contract. So if his play just fell through the ceiling, uh, fell through the floor, which I don't think it will, 
you can just walk away and go, cheerio, mate. Well, Jack, thank you for that cap knowledge that you do so well, mate. Head of cap. Um, <laughs> Chris, we're not going to talk about UK football team. That's already been answered. But this is one just for you, Jack. Well, it's, it's, it's the battle of are they more in my court or your court? So uh, it's, okay. it's, I think it will reflect how they're treated for the rest of the podcast. Will they be my friend or your friend? Sashi or Hugh? <laughs> uh, i got to go Sashi. You're welcome back anytime you want on this podcast. <laughs> okay, why? Yeah, so I think like most Browns, uh, like most Browns fans, I was quite excited when we appointed Hugh Jackson as the head coach. Uh, he came with quite a good reputation. Yep. All the media outlets were saying, you know, he's the best candidate out there that off season. Um, he came with a, a reputation for getting good things out of his offenses. Um, so I was quite excited. Uh, a little bit skeptical about. The whole Sashi Brown, Paul De Podesta experiment, but then as time wore on, everything that Sashi Brown did and that front office, I kind of looked at it and said, "Yeah, that makes sense." If if I were running the Browns, that's probably what I would do. And then everything that Hugh Jackson did just was the opposite of that. Uh, Hugh Jackson, for me, uh, he he kind of has spent the last two years blaming everyone else for anything whether it's sort of Deshaun Kaiser or, or you know, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, whoever was playing quarterback, up to Sashi Brown and whoever else, just to avoid any responsibility. Um, that being said, I really hope Hugh Jackson is the coach of the Browns in 2019 because that will mean that we have had a winning season, basically. Ah, a twist. If, if yeah. we go, a positive spin on the situation. <laughs> it's, it's one of them that... The weird thing is, if you would have want me to sort of rank the top five people in the Browns organisation I want to go to a beer with, Hugh would probably be up there. There's a personable chap that he, he talks good games and he, he appeals like a nice guy and the players all rave about him. He's the sort of guy that I go, yeah, I want to go beer with him. If you were wanting me to rank sort of the top hundred people I want to be a head coach in the NFL, he's not on that list. <laughs> and it's, it's nothing against, I hate Hugh Jackson as a person, it's some people have got the skill. Like, I don't have the skill to be an NFL head coach. I'm not going to get that job. How Hugh got that job, I don't know. He was, he was thought, highly thought of when he came in, and he's ruined it. But it's one of them. We'll move on. Dorsey has sort of allowed the... Uh, have the time with um, Hugh. And then next year, I think we'll see who Dorsey really wants to be the head coach. Yeah, I, I think for me, just because I'm... I'm in the Sashi Brown camp, that doesn't mean that I'm anti John Dorsey. I think he's done some really good things. I was pleasantly surprised that we drafted Mayfield. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised that we drafted Ward this year. Um, I feel like that cornerback room has a bit of a ways to go. I think there's a lot of people in there that are on middling investments, shall we say, sort of four, five, six million dollars a year contracts. That that's your sort of number two corner money. Uh, I guess they're hoping that Ward develops into that real top-tier outside guy. Um, but looking at the likes of, who have we got? Uh, Carrie, Mitchell, Gaines, uh, and Body Calhoun. And then you've got Denzel Ward, hopefully the number one guy. That's, that's sort of five guys that could be starting number two or number three corners in the league. And I don't think, I don't think they're all going to be there next year by any stretch. No, I think, I think it was a good move with... Dorsey did with that room because it didn't work last year of go, look, let's bring in 
sort of four people who Ward's going to be there long term. You've got Carry the sort of the only one left of them that couldn't cut after one year. You could, but the cap hit wouldn't be reasonable. And then you're looking at Mitchell, who even though it's a three-year deal, is so cheap. And you've got um, Gaines on a one-year deal of going, look, if you don't do anything, I'll move you on. And I think the first three, one of them first three picks next year is going to be a cornerback because you've got to have four good cornerbacks if you want to be a decent side. So, um, no, I, th- I think he's done a really good job with that room. Mm. Yeah. Time will tell. Jack, good question you asked there, mate. Who would you like to go for a beer with? So, uh, I've been having a little think. My top five. I'm going to go off piece, Jack. I must say at this point, Jack has done an excellent job. He's put together this week a um, timesheet of like trying to keep us on time so we don't go over the hour mark. <laughs> so, the first thing I'm going to do is... You're saying that now. When it gets to the end of the podcast, if it's still an hour, we know it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so here we go, guys. Who are... Your five, five favourite Browns people that you like to go for a beer with. And I'll start, give you a bit of time to think. So number one has to be Greg Williams. Uh, number two, uh, Josh Gordon. Number three, Bacon Mayfield. He seems a good, fun lad. Maybe we can get chased by the police, I don't know. Um, the big guy, Kendricks. I think he's just a mean, mean, mean guy. Scary. And, uh, yeah, last but not least, uh, the guy in the media, uh, Nathan uh, Zaguru. Wouldn't mind just getting to know him. Always listening to him. So, yeah, there be my five for a beer. So, guys, if any of you guys are listening to this, I'm over in uh, Cleveland uh, mid-October. Let's go out for a beer. Jack? So, I put him in my top five, so he's got to stay in my top five. Number five, I'm going Hugh. I yep. just think, I think he'd be an interesting, personable guy to have a chat with. I don't think we're going to be... Uh, best friends forever and anything like that but uh, no for an evening it would be good number four is it's a solid choice is saying Gonzalez purely because he's a Chelsea fan so um, if we're having a beer we're not doing it in Berea we are doing it in a decent football stadium watching some decent real football and having a laugh number three I'm going to go Baker because I just think the guy's a lad Um, it's going to be a lot of fun it'd have to be off season because I wouldn't want a beer with him mid season because I ain't getting blamed for that L when he turns up <laughs> um, carrying the team pissed and it'll be like, yeah, it's Jack's fault. Um, number two, I'm going to go Paul D. Podesta. I just, I want to rack his brains. I think I could sit there all night and ask him different questions and uh, be absolutely fascinated. And number one, I know he's left, but he's still going to be top of my list and I don't really care. It's going to be Sashi. Okay. That man one day <laughs> writes a book. I might just fly over to America, get go to the book signing, and I just want to know more because it will be fascinating to find out what it was like. And uh, I can't wait. Fingers crossed, one day he either gets back in the NFL or he writes that book. So would you cover a beer with Sashi and Hugh separately, or would you sit down with the two of them and get them drunk and see what happens? I think you've sort of you've got gladiators <laughs> in the UK where you've sort of got two people on podiums, sort of with uh, battering sticks hitting each other. I, th- I think I'll be up for that and just sort of watching it all uh, fall apart. But sorry, Hugh, you're getting left in the car park and jilted on our uh, <laughs> beers up, and uh, it's sashy all day long because uh, I just I've got so much respect for what that guy did. When he's come into an environment where no one wanted him to succeed, you've got that sort of cocoon mentality where um, if you're not an insider, we don't want you. You're trying to change the game. You saw it in baseball and. 
analytics was able to defeat that, but um, unfortunately there's too many people in the NFL that are scared of uh, some facts. <laughs> uh, Chris? So for me, for basically all the reasons you just said, Sashi Brown. Um, but yeah, also, yeah, mate, it's not even with the Browns. Oh. Yeah, but his name's Sashi Brown, isn't it? Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be with you, mate. Right. Done it You're number six, Paul. You're number okay, six. Thanks. Um, yeah, but mainly I'd like to just buy him a beer for botching that AJ McCarron trade. Um, More than a beer. <laughs> just, just think, AJ McCarron, who is currently touted as finishing third in the quarterback battle between Josh Allen and five interception Nate Peterman, both Haslam and Hugh Jackson thought this guy was worth a second and third round pick. Madness. We get to see him on uh, fr- uh, Friday. Yeah. Um, go on, Chris. Uh, so, in no particular order, the rest of them... I think Jim Brown would have some amazing stories to yep. tell. I probably would just shut up for about four hours and listen to him. Um, similarly, but different stories, Drew Stanton, the life of a career NFL backup quarterback. Uh, that's got to be amazing. All the, the camp stories, the practical jokes and things like this... Uh, who was at Chase Daniel the other day, going in disguise at the Bears training camp, trying to get autographs from, I think he was trying to get an autograph from Mitch Trubisky, yeah. his uh, starting QB. Miles um, Garrett seems like a really interesting guy. Maybe we wouldn't go for a beer. Maybe we'd go for a sort of kale and spinach smoothie. I don't know. A dinosaur session. A dinosaur Museum. Session. Yeah, I'll take him around the Natural History Museum. Miles, if you're listening, the, the, the smoothies are on me. Um, and Joe Thomas. Uh, hopefully uh, that beer can happen in Mission Barbecue. Uh, the amount of times he's tweeting about that and I'm wishing that I was there. Mm. Oh, ju- just one on Chase Daniels. This is a stat that I-, I got sent the other day. Chase Daniels has made $24.3 million over his career and thrown, I'll let you two guess, over eight seasons, how many throws has he had? So I saw. I, I think I saw this tweet. So I'll let Paul guess first. Oh great! Cheers. Chuck him in the deep end. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put you on the spot. Then. Eight seasons. So it's a hell of a time. And obviously last season he played a lot of games because of. Um, uh, All right. Palmer went down injured. Go on, and it sounds like a trick question. I'm just gonna go over hundred. It was it was something like seventy five or eighty something. Seventy eight. That, that is that is some memory there. But uh, it's not bad to own, earn. Over 24 million, 78 <laughs> passes. And uh, it's, it's right, though. He's a massive benefit to the team. Uh, Drew Brees used to come off the uh, out of every play, and he'd want to go over before he spoke to a coach or anyone else. He wanted to go over and chat to um, Chase because he gave him su- such good feedback on what he wanted to do. So uh, good luck to the guy. I think this is the same with Drew Stanton as well. I mean, yeah. against the Giants, I don't think he played a single snap. But basically... He didn't need to, right? So I'm not sure what benefit we get from uh, Brogan Roback going out there. and Fills the and, fridge, uh, mate. Fills the fridge. <laughs> but what giving him playing time does, I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, it's, it's good for him. Um, but, yeah, Drew Stanton doesn't need to play. He's just going to sort of step in and, and be a very mediocre QB if you need him to. Do you think he's going to have any um, uh, snaps on uh, Friday? Drew, yeah, no, Drew, Drew won't have snaps. He's one of these players, um, a bit like in a lot of ways. You've got the higher end of it of the Bradys and other people. If you desperately need them, they can go in there and they can perform at a solid level. So 
Haley would probably have to roll back some of the playbook, but he he can go out there from a grounded start, can just get out and play. Surely he's got to be fresh, though. He's got to have like some practice in game experience. No, the game experience doesn't make that much difference. So he's getting practice on the uh, field um, every day in practice because during camp you need them for quarterbacks. So he's he's playing. You've got nothing to worry about. All right, great. Well, look, Jack, how are we doing on time, mate? <laughs> so we plan by this stage, we've got one more question to go. Uh, it'll be about six minutes into the show. It's 20 minutes into the show, but it's all good. So uh, we'll try to speed along a bit. Okay, good, good. Sorry, sorry mate. You're, uh, <laughs> I'm not following your processes. Um, Chris, last question. What body part are you willing to give up for Browns to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Maybe like a finger or a toe. Oh. Uh, maybe a spleen, something I don't really use anyway. Um, you know, I like my body. I might be the only one, but I like it. Well, I was hoping a little bit more from you, Chris, to be honest. But <laughs> let's, let's, let's if Sashi was still in the charge. Sore away. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Moving swiftly on to the new section. So, um, yeah, one of our um, uh, fans, listeners, Jim Custard from Galloway in Ireland. Uh, he wants to know, is anything to be said for the trading of Donald Penn? I think there's some questions over it. Um, it's one of them that if Desmond Harrison, who sort of came back to training just this week, um, can go on and sort of look solid, then finding someone who can sort of be the cover during that time is a good direction to go. Greg Robinson, even though he's not going to be the answer long term, Came out with a really good PFF grade from the game, this first preseason game. So I think we've got someone solid who can sort of be the backup if Harrison comes through. And Donald Penn, if you can get him. Jim's floated the idea of using that seventh rounder in 2020, which, uh, <laughs> according to some people in our current front office, is a very valuable pick. Um, but. But what I don't want to go down the route of is assembling this amazing offensive line, which we can have for the next year or two. And then when that time runs out, suddenly we've got a massive cap problem when our O-line is at sort of double the NFL average and we're having to cut money out of that and get rid of two or three of the starters because we can't afford to keep them. So I want to try and find a cheaper option, but... It wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if we trade for Donald Penn and sort of try get rid of him after one year. I, I think for me, I would not particularly be in favour of it for a cu- couple of reasons. One, he's getting on a bit now. He's not really going to be around when we're good, right? And we're all hoping we're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but let's be honest, that's that's not realistic. I haven't drunk enough yet for that one. <laughs> I think what I would like to see happen is see Joel Batonio out there to start the season, give him four or five games. Um, and if he's not atrocious, then we just stick it out for the season and hope to pick someone up in the draft or free agency next year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if Bitonia were to go down and we had to rely on Stevenson or Robinson for 16 games, say, you know, Joel Bitonio tears an ACL or whatever at the end of preseason, then, yeah, yeah, I, I would be in favour of it, of it because you don't want your... You don't want Baker Mayfield's development to be uh, obliterated by having a revolving door at left tackle. Um, but for now, I would say no. Yeah, so 
Pen is 35, but the one advantage if we gave something that small up for him, and they are literally looking to just move the um, money on, then he's got no dead money next year. So if we had him for one year and then drafted someone in the first round next year, we could dump him and there is no uh, dead cap on our hands. So it's one of them that it would all depend what pick we gave up. I think it'd have to be more than a, the seventh rounder in 2020. But uh, I, I think in the uh, Khalil Mack for a first rounder trade, that's definitely going to happen in my <laughs> dreams. Uh, they'll throw Donald Penn in as a sweetener there. Yeah. Jim, my question to you, do we really need a 35-year-old at the moment? No, I don't, th- I, I, I don't think we do. And it's one of them things that I like with where Dorsey's gone with these moves and we'll get onto it later on, does it happen with what we do with the wide receiver room, is all these people he's brought in are around that sort of 26, 27, 28 range looking for can I get that big second contract because the last thing we want as a franchise that potentially sort of in right off almost the next two years. But then three years after that, that is our best Super Bowl window. We want players that are going to be around in three, four and five years' time. So um, there's no point bringing in someone that we're going to cut in a year. But if it's going to keep Baker Mayfield alive, yeah, I could give up a sixth or seventh for one year. All right, good. Yeah, Jim, thanks a lot. Great question. If anyone else has got any questions for the team please do send us a DM and we'll make sure we cover it in the next uh, podcast. Uh, Jack, one for you. Yeah, so um, the Browns Wire did a piece this week uh, basically looking at, other than Des Bryant, what are the other options out there? They floated a few older players. You've got Jeremy Macklin, um, Hakeem Nix, Eddie Royal and Brandon LaFell, or some younger players like Quan Bray, Ed Egan, Kenny Bell and Kavan... Severin, I think I got that right. And um, just another couple of wild cards with Don Trell, Inman and Brandon Coleman. Ooh, get Coleman back. (laughs) One in, one out. So it's sort of, what do you want to do? And then we had Greg, who was on the other day, said he hated the whole list, but he weren't against trading sort of one of our spare linebackers and going for um, another wide receiver in a trade. So what did you make of that, guys? It was a good piece, um, I thought. There was the other guy from the Pats, Malcolm... Malcolm Mitchell. He, he, he's one I was shocked to see missing off that list. It would take the doctors a designation to go, they're happy with him, but um, I think he's definitely one I'd, I'll, I want to bring in and have it look over his knees, legs and everything else that was wrong with him. Mm. Your views, Chris? For me, I, I think someone who's going to be able to come in and run the routes that we need him to run straight away sort of have a handle on the offense like we talked about Drew Stanton earlier as someone who can just play in any kind of offense I think some of the younger guys are probably going to struggle in that regard so maybe someone like Jeremy Macklin who is not that far removed from having some really good years that might be a better option so if we're looking at Baker Mayfield's development and you know Tyra's the starter sure great and I'm looking forward to seeing it but you know the future's all about Baker um, if we're looking at his development, then we need guys who can get open. We need guys who are not going to sort of struggle catching the ball, getting open. I think looking back at last year when we had a, a number two, number three, number four, or whatever it was of people like Bryce Treggs and Cason Williams, people you had to Google even before the game started, um, I don't want to go through that again. Um, so I'm kind of in favour of the the older guys on the one-year deals. Okay. 
I think one thing, and I've always said, listeners, I'll always apologise when I'm wrong. So I came on early when we started our first few pods and I was like, no, the juice isn't the wide receiver for us. There's a lot of hate. And uh, now I'm here to eat a bit of humble pie, so I'd like to apologise to Juice. Devon Kajuice could be the answer. <laughs> Sorry, Landry, I ain't talking to you. <laughs> a former wide receiver who's moved to tight ends, been at the Packers and the 49ers before coming to us, and I think there is massive upside in that lad. I think one thing, looking out there, there is a lack of sort of wide receiver talent. If I was going to look at any on that list, the only one I'm that keen on is Brandon LaFell, but... I'd rather not. I think we'd be much better going, rather than have six wide receivers and three tight ends, flip to five wide receivers and four tight ends. You've got Njoku, Deval and Fells. So add Caduce to that roster. He can play as sort of the Evan Ingram role that with the Giants of sort of, he's not really a tight end. Evan Ingram isn't a tight end. If Evan Ingram's him. not blocking anybody. Oh, they're, they're moved tight ends. They're literally just... They're too big to be called a wide receiver, so they go, oh, you're a tight end, we're going to pay you half the amount. So it's not for any actual reasoning. So I'd be looking at going, let's get more of Njoku, DeValve, Duke Johnson on there. Let's use them inside, and the answer's already on our roster. So don't bring in the problem child that is Des Bryant. He's had too many issues in his career. Let's just go. The juice is there, and the juice is called Devon Kajus. Nice little twist there, Jack. Um, while we're on the wide receivers, um, Jarvis Landry has uh, come out and said they he wants uh, Des uh, Bryant, and um, everyone's just trying to work out. You know, does Des Bryant want to be part of the Browns? Well, Jarvis Landry came out and said he wanted fifteen million dollars a year, and there was only two teams, and uh, it was us and the Ravens that were stupid enough to be willing to pay it. So, uh, Des. Des Bryant might want to come. Jarvis Andrew might want him here. Doesn't mean he's going to get what he wants. I I would not be against bringing Des Bryant in. I think, optimistically speaking, if we're looking at Josh Gordon as the number one and Jarvis Landry as the number two, Des Bryant doesn't have to do an awful lot. We don't need to be too reliant on him, but he can make contested catches. He does know how to get open. He can use his body to create separation. If he's there as your third receiver, I think there are worse options. And it comes down to the money as well, right? If you get him, it's not going to happen, but if you get him on the vet minimum, then yeah, it's, it's great value. If he's asking for $20 million a year, obviously not. Somewhere in between is his value. It's, it's one of them. The Des Bryant of 2014 is a player I'd want. Can he get separation now? I don't think he can. Um, he's great jump ball specialist, so... If you're looking to throw it up in the air, will he get it over someone else? I'd say there's a pretty good chance most defenders he's going to beat in the air. But if I'm looking someone to do that job, I'd rather have David Njoku out there on the field. I just think Des Bryant, too much of a problem child, likes moaning about his teammates on Twitter, likes off-the-field issues. And if you think Corey Coleman had off-the-field issues, this is a guy that is just... I use the phrase problem child sparingly, but he is the problem child. Don't forget we've also got Callaway and uh, Josh Gordon. So you're literally signing someone to take them out and get drunk every yeah. night. Great. Yeah. Don't forget we have got a uh, Hell um, Mary specialist in Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis, special Ma- teams ace. I haven't heard a lot about him. Is he injured or...? 
He's, he had a little injury, but he's one of them people that he's not going to make one of the first five sort of spots on a wide receiver room. You're not taking him to primarily be a wide receiver. He's a bit like, not so much as we've got like Matt Slater at the uh, Patriots. They're there just to sort of be that special teams, potentially a special teams captain that leads that team and does the business. So, yeah, for the odd plays, like the Hail Mary from Rogers, he can do a job, but you're not relying on him to be a wide receiver. For a long time, the Browns had uh, a guy called Tank Carter on the roster, and every season, all the fans would look at the roster and and say, well, there's 90 players there, Tank Carter's never making that roster, and come September, opening game, there he is on on the 53, dressing for the game, and he's just running down on special teams, and that's all he did. And at the minimum, Jeff Janis does that. I was surprised he didn't get a bit more playing time. I think he's been injured. I think he's been injured. Yeah, he he had an injury recently, but uh, I'm sure he'll come back. He's he's one of them that the the lads in the front office have all been through the Packers. They know what he's capable of, um, and it's one he he'll do what he needs to do. He's never going to make a top five um, wide receiver spot on the roster, but he's that sort of sixth wide receiver that you go. That's not really a wide receiver spot. It's sort of the, a spare special team spot. So uh, I think I think there's a lot of promise. All right, good. Next news thing, Hugh says weed equals more preseason snaps. It might be the most bizarre and stupid comment I've ever seen. So if anyone in the Browns building is listening, please just take the microphone away from Dorsey, take the microphone away from Hugh, and someone look over that stuff because it just doesn't make sense. Because if Brogan Roback gets busted by the cops for possession of weed tomorrow, are you telling me he's guaranteed all four quarters in our next preseason game. And that is the message that Hugh's going out there with. You see the Jaguars did it sensibly. If you're a player and you get busted, right, you're out for a week, go away, Ramsey, we don't want you here. You learn your lesson. And there's so many young players on this roster that are fighting on the bubble that if we're really saying you get caught with weed, you're guaranteed four quarters, it's the wrong message. And I don't think it is what really happened behind the scenes, but think before you speak, because I really wanted your um, Callaway to be out there playing all four quarters. Hasn't played for a whole year because of weed and all the other problems he's had in his life. So get him out there and have time. But in other positions, lots of these players, I want playing as many snaps as possible because we're not winning a Super Bowl this year. Sorry, guys. Sorry to drop that truth bomb on you, but it ain't happening. But it's one of them that you get such limited time as coaches with these players that if they can practice every moment of every day, work them to the core this year. Because next year, when we're looking at let's try win our division, I want them being much better players than they are this year. I think for me, the the thing that doesn't make sense about this is, okay, you've decided that he needs to be punished, was the word that I saw used. Fine. Um... The way you're punishing him is by making him play more. And going back to that scene in Hard Knocks where Hugh Jackson's telling everyone that they're going to hold the players out of training to avoid soft tissue injuries and things like this, uh, that's great, but then you don't force the guy to play the entire game, especially when he's been out for a year. Uh, I think that was just really contradictory in my mind. Yeah, it's, it's going to be... Uh... It's interesting. I'm just worried we've got um, Callaway, 
uh, Josh Gordon, all these high-risk uh, guys. Yeah, uh, then quite a few of the guys seem to have baggage. Yeah, they may just think in their head, yeah, let's get in trouble, and then before we know it, we may get more snaps. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. Just keeping an eye on the time. Jack's giving me a, a prod, prod here. Um, some yeah, quick uh, fire questions for you, Chris. We ask most people when they come on. How many uh, wins do you think the Browns going to get? I think six. I think six is sensible. I think I don't th- see us getting above eight and eight. I don't see a, a winning record. But I don't think there's any way we can be as bad as we have been the last couple of years. I think I think six and ten is is sort of a, a realistic aim for the season. And Matt, I'm going to really put you on the spot here, mate. Who do you think we're going to beat? <laughs> uh, I would like to see us split the division. I don't think that's quite going to happen. I think probably our best chance is home against the Ravens and the Bengals. Yep. Maybe against the Steelers. At home first game? At home first game. I thought that last year and then that opening drive with the block punt just kind of sucked the wind out of the entire season. Uh, you know, maybe if we had the, the Steelers at home in week 17, okay, yeah. I'd call that. But uh, Rest Big Ben, maybe have a chance. Yeah, yeah. maybe we can beat Landry Jones finally. Um, other than that I don't know week to week it's going to change yeah okay good and um, yeah Brown's uh, divisional position third 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 I think I don't know who would finish last I think chances are either the Bengals or the Ravens are going to have a rough season I don't know which one it's going to be maybe the Ravens decide after week eight or something that they're going to put Lamar Jackson in and just ride that roller coaster and and they end up sort of four and twelve five and eleven something like that or maybe AJ Green gets an injury and the Bengals realise that they can't do much without AJ Green on offence. And just uh just crash down and get the draft picks. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they tank uh, it. Maybe they pull Andy Dalton. Um Jack, what do you reckon? Uh, when do you think um Lamar Jackson's gonna start playing? I think it'll be sooner rather than later. I think They've, they're tied into Flacco for the next two years because of the horrendous contract he was given because he won a Super Bowl, so that instantly makes him yeah. one of the greatest quarterbacks in all time. Um, lesson for future life, don't sign a quarterback even if they win the big prize because they might not be that good without an amazing roster behind them. So I think... I don't. When is the uh, Ravens bye week? I'm going to have a Google on that, but... Even without looking, I'm going to say that is the week where Lamar Jackson takes over and he's not going to let go because he is an absolute talent. I reckon it's going to be um, middle of the first uh, first half of the game. Week one, straight swap, that's it, then done. Oh, like the Texans did with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think things can happen, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it comes around to the week, week eight or something. Raven, Ravens at two and five out of the playoffs. Hmm. Well, we're talking about the um, uh, division. When, when do you think we're going to start overtaking some of these teams? So, for me, I think this is the year we overtake the Bengals. I just think the roster is so bad. It's a bad head coach. There's not enough talent there. So, I think we knock them off this year. I think the year after, I think after we are. Uh, recover and it's, it'll be a tough year I think this season after this mainly because we'll have replaced our head coach and probably several of the staff with them um, which is it's always tough to make that change so I think that's the year we just overtake the Ravens then I think B 
Big Ben, he's got two more years in him. I think they massively hit a cliff after that. And I think the Steelers, going from a team that looks good every year, I think might not be a problem anymore. Hmm. I um, Pre-season Paul. Paul gets super excited about pre-season. Look at last so, year. So the five snaps starters took. What do you make of that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, the highlights I saw. I thought Andy Dalton uh, played well. Um, yeah, he got a couple of touchdowns. And uh, did you see any of the highlights of the um, uh, Schittsburg uh, game? No, I watched the Browns game and uh, I've seen Josh Allen throw fall on his ass and throw the ball up in the air. And uh, that's it. I haven't seen anything else because pre-season doesn't really matter. And last season, were you celebrating with the uh, with the four uh, 0 I was happy we won. I don't think it really correlates into anything. It's all sport. It's real football as well. It was like, oh, you won so and so games. Oh, you're gonna have a good pre-season. It was like, then you lose the first three games. Doesn't really correlate. So. I'm not too worried. It's, it's one of the things. It I think, happens. I think when the first game of preseason is decided by which team has the better third and fourth stringers, <laughs> the record in preseason isn't that important. You're upsetting Paul now. You just you need to sort of take take the fat, <laughs> coat it in chocolate, and just then feed it to him. You don't want to hit, hit him with truth bombs <laughs> like that. It's, it's harsh. Chris, I, I that's not what, nice, mate. I, I, what I will now. say is I, I look at how our starters have played against the opponent starters and you can almost keep a record of that and see how that looks that probably is a little bit more indicative of what's going to happen over the rest of the year so Saquon Barkley is going to be good on the first play and then awful for the next four because he's not a good running back Mm. great receiving back potentially incredible slot receiver I could do more in the running game than that guy Mm. alright guys Um, yeah Jack do you want to do the uh the uh, close up. Do you want to do the Twitter handles? Well, I've, I've I've got one more thing to just throw out there before we wrap it. I just want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. It's been a lot of talk about Bell being like the greatest thing since sliced bread, Ian. And when Bell moves on next year, because this is the last year of Bell in the Steelers, people will be like, oh, they've, they've lost one of the three Bs, so the offense is thirty three percent worse. No, the truth is. It doesn't really matter. He's not that special in the run game. Some of his sort of stop-starty plays are quite awesome, but everything that happens in the run game is down to generally the O-line rather than the running back because we've seen other running backs come in and do well for the Steelers. And if you look at where them passing snaps are going, because, yep, I'm not going to take it away from Bell. It's a phenomenal receiving back. I'm going to say just as good as Duke Johnson. Uh, unfortunately Duke Johnson doesn't have the running game attached to it but then passes they go into Juju they go into Antonio Brown and I think they're going to go to James Washington I think he's going to have a really solid year he doesn't do too much but he's quiet and then next year he'll step up they draft that receiving back in the third round next year and then no one really realises Antonio Bell's left so um, I think the big time the Steelers drop off the cliff is going to be uh, in two years time and Big Ben goes I really like that Washington in the draft as well. Yeah, he's he's, he's a talent. But now, in terms of social media, as always, thank you so much for Chris for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you for um, listening to us. I'm still amazed that when Paul rings me sometimes at silly hours in the morning and goes, 
100 people have downloaded this podcast in 24 hours. I'm just like, nah, mate, you've had a few beers, you're reading that wrong. And then he's like, sends me the actual stats, and I'm just like, wow. But uh, we've set ourselves a goal by the end of the year. We want to be taking 100 and making it 1,000. Yeah, we're, we're, we're close to 200 at the moment. So up and uh, onwards. Um, but yeah, Chris, I just want to say thanks very much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. No, good, good. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get you back on again during the season. Will we see you down the Hippodrome for a few games? Yeah, I'm going to try and make it down there for a few games this okay, year. Okay, good. We've got Kelly coming on on Thursday. Uh, she's the uh, head of the um, back of the British backers. We're recording on Thursday. We don't know when you're actually going to hear it. Oh, okay. I would like to see. I want Kelly online as soon as possible. Anyway. Uh, but no, so thank you so much for listening, guys. And as always, if you didn't like anything you heard in this podcast, you just want to have a rant because you feel like it. It doesn't even be about the Browns. My Twitter handle's at Jack Duffin. If you've got a guest you want to hear from, if you've got questions you want to ask for next show, if you've just got general feedback for how we can improve the podcast, it's at PaulBrown underscore UK. He's the one that sort of books everyone and then rings me at half one in the morning to tell me about it. Jack, you seem quite sad about this, me calling you during the night. I was having a really good night's sleep for the first time. So I was recovering from the 4am podcast the other day and uh, Paul Brown rings you. Mate, when we go full time, you're going to have to get used to this, mate, these American hours. No. Okay. I'll, I'll get used to it when they start calling me football. Okay. Uh, Chris, um... Yeah, hopefully see you soon again during the season. And, yep. uh, yeah, let's hope the Browns get a good pre-season, 4-0. And then... Uh, we, we're going 8-0, mate. <laughs> back to back, we're rocking. Okay, good, good. All right, guys, um, that's the show. Good night, everyone. And, uh, yeah, speak to you all soon. Bye-bye, guys. Good night. Take care. Go Brownies. Go Brownies.